The year 1953, a plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. We release this episode with a heavy heart, with the news that the Queen of Australian Music, Olivia Newton-John, has passed away, aged 73. The majority of this episode comes from my interview with Olivia's close friend and band leader, Chong Lim. This interview with Chong was recorded about six months ago. I started out by asking him how he became Olivia's musical director. I, I don't know how long ago now, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, we had this huge concert tour called The Main Event with John Farnham, Olivia Newton-John, and Anthony Wallow. And she did the tour with us, but she had not toured for many years. And and she came and did this. There was a first concert tour in, I, I don't know, 20 years or something. And um, uh, look, uh, I, I should go back. Um, many, many years prior to that um, was my first ever TV appearance. Uh, um, I was flying back from... Uh, I don't know, Adelaide or somewhere with Boss. Uh, I was touring with Boss Skaggs and I got the call from Channel 9 to play piano for Olivia. She was doing a, a Ray Martin show or something and she was going to do I Honestly Love You, and, and which has a very intricate piano part. And so I um, I got to the studio and, and in, in those days, you, you know, you have cassettes, you know, and... And when I was in Adelaide, I quickly went to a record store and bought the cassette of I Honestly Love You and listened to it intently on the plane, trying to learn the song. And and then when I got to Channel 9 in Bendigo Street in Melbourne, I asked them, can they get find a piano for me to practice, to learn to practice it? And and they had a, a little white piano in the warehouse, and I sat there and quickly learned the part. It's that, like, you, you know, the, the intro, introduction to... I, uh, I honestly love you is is pretty kind of scary hair raising and uh, I learned it and and did it with her then and it was really magical I, I remember ever so well that was my first ever appearance on TV and it was kind of scary and after that many years later we did this main event tour and so we did all those songs for her and and straight after that her manager. Mark Hartley organized a tour for her in America, starting with Las Vegas, and and he invited me to be her musical director. And so I, ex- pretending to be very calm, accepted the gig, and um, and we went on tour. and And I, I'll never forget, we landed in Las Vegas, and we stayed at the Las Vegas Hilton, where where um, Elvis did all his legendary concerts and. And where it's mentioned in that Little River Band song, and uh, just before I went to bed, I looked out the window, and there was the Vegas Strip, and it was a very surreal moment. I thought, "Oh my God, I'm in in LA, uh, in Vegas with Olivia Newton-John," and it was. Uh, and and so we toured America, and we went back for one more tour with her, um, and it was really exciting, and um, and you you know. Every song we played for her was a hit, and 
just gently reminding you, she, um, you, you, you know, she was the Beyonce of her day, the blonde version of Beyonce, and she, she was a multi Grammy Award winner. She won Album of the Year, Artist of the Year, and and she had hit movies, Grease, and and um, well, whatever movie she was in, and she was a a, a very successful artist. You you know, even today, you, you know, I think. Uh, a few years ago on Twitter, Olivia was, uh, I think Lady Gaga was backstage at a Olivia Newton-John gig or, or vice versa. And, and, and Lady Gaga posted it saying she was excited to, to be, to be meeting Olivia. Like Olivia is like royalty. She walks, when she walks into a room, you think the queen has appeared and she is the most beautiful person ever. And, and, her singing is just wonderful. You, you know, I, I produced an album for her, and I, and I would, I would after she left the studio, I would listen back to the tapes and and thought, oh my goodness, that's her voice. And and I grew up listening to her records, and and I used to love her records, and um, yeah. So it was a pinch myself moment when I toured with her, and and we still keep in touch. And um, she calls me from time to time. She's a very genuine person, and. You know, a lot of artists, when you work with them, you, you know, they give you a lot of their time. But but after the tours or something, you won't hear from them again. But Olivia keeps in touch all the time and she calls often and says hi. And she's a very caring person, you know. Here's Olivia talking to Larry King on his TV show in 1988. Your first hit was a, was a country song? Yes, if not for you. Um, it was a Bob Dylan song. Was that considered country? Yeah, well, kind I, of. I remember yeah. it. I folk. think that I love that tune. Yeah. Folkish country. Yeah, folk is, I actually took it off the George Harrison album, but it was the Bob Dylan song that George Harrison had covered. And it started to get play where? In England? It started in England. I had a hit in England, and then it kind of got airplay in America, and I came over here and did the Dean Martin show and a few things, and then nothing really happened for me until, again until about 73, 74, and I had um, if, if You Love Me, Let Me Know. And that was kind of the beginning of my country career. And then I crossed over into pop. By, with what song? I think it was, um, Honestly Love You. Or Have You Never Been Mellow. I'm not sure of the chrono- chronology. Yeah, but both <laughs> were hits. Yes. And they were, they were not rock, they were kind of off track hits in that they were, another kind of music was going on and you were selling your kind of music, wasn't it? Yeah, well, country was kind of very popular at that time. And John Denver and myself were kind of at the beginning of that crossover era. In fact, mm-hmm. I was very unpopular with the country people at that time because they... you had left them? Well, no, I, I, I was living in England. I was Australian, being produced by an Australian and an Englishman and, and having hits that invaded their territory. So they weren't too thrilled. But um, I was accepted after all. So it was all right. And the first movie was what? first movie was um, Greece. Ah, Greece. Lucky me. <laughs> How did that come about? Well, Alan Carr met me at a um, dinner party. Helen Reddy and her husband at the time, Jeff Wald, actually they were kind of instrumental in my moving to America because they, they said if you want to have, have success, you have to be here. So I, I moved over and they were very good to me anyway. Having dinner, Alan met me. I was fooling around making silly faces. He remembered me and when he was casting the movie, um, said he thought I'd be right for it. So I did a, uh, a screen test with John Travolta because I wanted to see how I was. I was very, nervous about doing a film. You had never acted? I had done a little bit, yes, and I'd done a film in England that was really bad, and I didn't want to do another bad one. <laughs> so. Well, I didn't, wasn't there the question of, uh, 
this is a they'd had to invent that you come from somewhere else yeah. right because on Broadway it was an American girl exactly wasn't it? well they first of all they asked me would I change my accent and I said no I'm an Australian <laughs> I'd really like to stay that way because I didn't think I could pull it off very well to have a, um, an American accent so they wrote it in which was great the screen test went well one very well yeah. yeah it was fun did you expect that film to do as well as it did no I'm not that well. I mean, it was a phenomenon. It was incredible. And I remember going to the screening of it the first time I saw it and thought it was fun and I thought the music would do well, but I had no idea it would ever be that big. And it still is. I meet little kids now, seven and eight, who say, oh, I watched Grease, you know, 15 times. And their mother's going, Why do you Please. think, in retrospect now? I think it just captured a, an innocence uh, and an era that appealed to older people who had been there and young people who... It kind of looked really fun, the clothes and the music, and it just had a real, it had a great energy to it too, I think. Yeah, it did, from yeah. the go, from the word mm -hmm. go. And of course, the a chemistry between you and him. Yes. You have to admit, yeah, great yeah. chemistry. Great supporting good. cast too. Yeah, wonderful. We had fantastic people in that film. Now, one could well ask, what happened to both of you? <laughs> uh, you made another film together. I did. Two of a kind, right? Yes. That didn't do as didn't well. Didn't do well at all, no. What happened to John's career? Do you think? I don't know. I think he just took some time off. I think he, you know, he'd been Saturday Night Fever and then Greece, and it was, you know, so big. It's very hard to follow something like that. You know, maybe in your life you have one incredible film like that. I mean, John was lucky he had two. Back um, to back. Almost. Back to back, yeah. yeah. So for him, I think he took a breather. For me, I continued with my singing career and kind of um, didn't find anything else. But we were desperate to work together, and we were looking for years and years, found two of a kind, and the script was really quite good. It just didn't wasn't executed right or you know who knows what happens in films it just was unfortunate but we still like working together it was yeah. fun well those those you cannot if you could predict the business right yeah so. but john's in a film now that i saw just saw that i oh, think is me. really charming it's called daddy's home with kirstie alley and i think um he's making a whole batch of movies again so i think he'll be back in the public eye and he's really sweet in this film I loved did it. you like working with him oh he's great he's a good friend has he handled this well, this up and down part? Yes, he has. He really has. Yeah. Whereas it hasn't uh, checked him any or put him into any kind of despondency because Travol he was number one rock star, was one. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. No, I think he's you know he's a sensible, intelligent person, and he realizes that you know careers go like that, and um, he has his aeroplanes, and he's been having a fun old time. I think now he's just getting back into really concentrating on a batch of films. Also, probably the most difficult thing artists like yourself deal with is. Selectivity, right? Yes. What do you take? What do you turn down? Mm -hmm. do you regret anything you've turned down? Um, no. No, you haven't no. made one of those mistakes. No, I don't think so. And unlike well, John, maybe you're, I don't know of. <laughs> unlike John, you're a singer. Yes. So you can always sing. You don't need a film career. No. But you'd like a film career. Um, if you know, if the right thing came up, it's not. It's not the most important thing to me. I, I'd love to make a good film. You know, now that I've kind of made a couple of duds in between. I mean, I had another film called Xanadu, which was musically successful, wasn't that great at a box office success, but I'd like to make a, a film of some kind, maybe about, you know, the issues that are going on in the world now, something grown up, but... What's well, going to hurt you there is the way you look, right? You just look... In fact, you look down-home American. Oh, yeah? Don't you think? <laughs> you don't look... I don't know what an Australian looks like, but you look like girl next door, pretty American. Oh, that's Okay. Girl next door in Australia can't look the same. <laughs> our guest is Olivia Newton-John, the Koala Blue Shops. They're going to be everywhere. We'll be back with our remaining moments after this. 
She's Olivia Newton-John, who this past weekend made a musical video with uh, Michael Jackson. Tell me about that. I was just found Michael's doing another video, um, Liberian Girl, off his album. And so he invited probably every celebrity in town to do a little cameo on it. So when I got there, Steven Spielberg was there and Amy Irving and John Travolta and I. I should have mentioned that before, but we did a little bit together in that. And uh, I think they were kind of filming what was going on behind the scenes as much as they were filming the little bits we did to put in the video. He wasn't there, unfortunately, but we had fun anyway. So there'll be a whole bunch of you yeah, on this video. lots of people. Um, Stephen Gutenberg and Rosanna Arquette and uh, Dan Aykroyd and, oh, the list was <laughs> huge of people. Are you, are you always looking for music? I mean, are you... You're happily married, right? Yes. You have a child? Beautiful little girl, yes. You, you don't need any of this do you i mean you could just live a quiet mm -hmm. married life where are you now how do how, how would well, you put you my life is much much calmer i mean i i hardly i don't go on the road anymore i don't travel terribly much unless it's for an opening which is usually like a day or two and, and usually i take my daughter but she has a cold too so i left her at home and um my so husband there's no newton john concert no tour. no okay. and my husband's an actor so he he goes on location to do films, so we try and be with him. So really, I, my family comes first. My husband, my daughter comes first. My Koala Blue has kind of taken precedence over my singing career because I had an album out last year, but it kind of didn't do terribly well. So therefore, I made a special and I did the promotions and stuff. But as it didn't take off, I didn't really have to do any of the follow-up stuff to it. So really, Koala Blue has been the main focus. But I'm going to do an album this year, so... Uh, and you're looking in, in what kind of material is sent to you. I mean, you're 40 now, right? Uh -huh. Do they send you rock songs? Yeah, I get all country. kinds of things. What do you get? I get all kinds of things. But it's getting harder and harder to get material because most people record their own stuff, so they kind of hang on to the good ones. So on the last album I wrote, I co-wrote quite a lot of them so that I could have my input. I wanted to write about things that were concerning me. You, know, you did a TV special on Australia, didn't you? Yeah, Where you kind of took us there mm -hmm. and gave us a tour. yeah. Okay, so there's no great desire. There's, you're not you're not in the hunting aggressive. I really wanted stage, are no, you? No. Does that hurt you? Do you think? Um. I mean, you're not viciously in. The, I don't mean that word badly. <laughs> I know. Viciously in the marketplace. Yeah, no, not at the moment. Well, I, my life is so full. I'm I'm really happy. I kind of feel like I I had a child late at, in life. Yeah, and, that's right. Um, you were how old when your child? Was? Um, she's three, so I was thirty-seven, thirty-six, thirty-seven years old. And so, you know, they're not young very long, and I don't want to be one of those showbiz mums that dumps her with a nanny and takes off. I want to be there for her. And she's a jewel. I mean, she's incredible. And probably if I'd had children younger, I would have had a slew of them, you know. So I want to be there for her, and developing this business has been really interesting, and it's also something that is for the future, because show business, you know, up and down, you never really know. So singing, I love to sing. I mean, I, I miss just singing. So this yeah, next well, album, I'm going to just Since sing. that's what you do the best, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you're a singer. Mm -hmm. You're a damn good singer. Thank you. Don't you miss singing? I, I, yeah, sometimes I do. I sing to my little girl, and she says, Mommy, please don't sing. I mean, don't <laughs> so you say to yourself, I, I would, I'd like to do a tour, I'd like to go around, I'd like to yeah. hear... The, the crowds again. No, I don't really miss that. For me, that wasn't... Some artists I know need that feedback and they need that, you know, the, the cheering and everything. I always, always used to feel 
I think I'm very, very realistic and I always used to feel that, you know, tomorrow night it'll be someone else. So I never really um, got carried away with it. You know, I, I loved it and I took it for what it was, but really? I wasn't... Really? But you were able... That's kind of an Australian perspective, I think right? so, yeah. yeah. It's that well, someone else will be thing. here tomorrow and they'll be <laughs> screaming for horror. That's anyway. right, yeah. This is Chong describing Olivia's mesmerising voice. Yeah, it's so pure, it's beautiful. And, and her phrasing and her vibrato is just perfect, you know? And and she has got a great sense of phrasing, and her her ability to harmonize is really great. And um, a few years ago, I was in LA and I produced John Farnham and Olivia Newton John's joint Christmas album, and and the harmony she would come up with with the songs was incredible. And John too is an incredible uh, uh, harmony singer, and. You, you know, to sing harmonies, you've got to have the technical knowledge to sing the right notes with the other person. But the other part of um, harmonizing is the art form of phrasing with the person and blending with the person. And so that it sounds like one person singing when two people are singing. And Olivia was really good at blending and and morphing her voice to the, the other person and, and to sing right up there with John Farnham that, that's pretty incredible you know John is an unbelievable singer and when the two of them sing t- together in harmony it's it's quite an amazing feeling I Honestly Love You was co-written by Jeff Barry and Peter Allen here's Chong talking about Olivia's tribute to Peter he was certainly a talent and um, look you, you know if you pass and you can leave leave your song behind. It's it's a great feeling, you know. And um, I don't know whether you you ever watched or you ever went to that last concert tour, the orchestral tour we did with John Farnham and Olivia Newton John. If not, I think you can see on YouTube. And we did a whole segment uh, dedicated to Peter Allen, and and we did the usual thing of that everybody does. You know, she, she sang along with. Peter Allen on on video and it was quite amazing. You know, she did I think Tented Field Settler with him on on the video and it was quite amazing. Yeah. Just beautiful. Yeah. This next piece of audio comes from our interview with Dig Richards and the RJ's drummer, Leon Isaacson. Leon's talking about when Olivia won the talent quest on the Johnny O'Keefe show. Well we're saying before that with the the BGs and, and JOK that you guys you may not have been able to always pick a pick a hit song, but there's a time there where they have a, a TV talent quest, and Johnny O'Keefe has the talent quest, and he runs over to you guys and says, "Who who will get? Who's the winner? Who do you guys think the winner?" And you guys, ah, the blonde chick, pick the blonde chick. Ah, oh, pick the blonde chick. Yeah, she was the best. Olivia Newton. Uh, Olivia Newton John. And we said, "Well, haven't they got any judges?" And he said, "No, no. He said, I'm the judge. So are you guys." Oh, are we? All right. Pick the blonde chick. <laughs> Another career that's gone on, on, on to worldwide success. I know, I know. When you see the movie Grease on television, it must have give you a bit of a laugh to know that you've seen Olivia at the, the very At the, the very key. start, yeah, yeah. She won a Sitmar cruise to uh, to England and there's another one. That was the the prize that you guys voted her into. Yeah, yeah, that was another one. It was introduced to the world and uh, and conquered it. This next interview comes from the Rosie O'Donnell show in 1998. Well, hello, Olivia Newton-John. How are you? I'm great, thank you. 
happy to meet you. I'm happy to meet you, too. Now, um, I have a question. Those pants, how did you get into those? <laughs> they, like, spray-painted on you? <laughs> Almost. Yeah? Very carefully. And the zip, they were pretty old pants. They were from the 50s already. Right. So we had to be pretty careful with them. And then I had to be stitched in because the zip, I think, was either going or they didn't want it to show. So they used to stitch me into these pants every, every day. Really? <laughs> yeah, so I didn't drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> did you keep them? I did actually. You I did. did. I, and and when we had the re premiere about a month ago, I decided I'm just going to try them on just to see. Because I can wear the jacket. The jacket's no problem. But I tried them on, and I'm so happy that the elastic had gone, so I never had to be embarrassed to find out how far off I was. Oh really? <laughs> so I never will know. Isn't that wonderful? No. <laughs> you can give them to me. I can use it as like a sweatband in my hand. It's <laughs> about all. But uh, now the re-release. When they told you they were going to re-release it into the theaters, did you think, "What are you crazy? It's been on video forever." And Actually, I, I could see that it would be a hit again because yeah. about five years before I'd been to see it in L.A., they had like, you know how the Rocky Horror Show had this cult following? Right. Well, Greece had this kind of following and I went with Randall Kleiser, the director, and Didi Khan, who was Frenchy, and we all went together and they were all dressed up in leather jackets and ponytails and singing along and I remember thinking, they could bring this out again. Yeah. So I, I, was, I was more surprised the first time it was such a big hit, but the second time... I was kind of That was the night that I saw you in the restaurant because you guys yeah. were going to that event. It That's was right. Muse, that was the name of it, right? Yeah, yeah, On Beverly, so. and yes. I saw Olivia Newton-John eating, and I was like, it's Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> but I didn't go over. I felt like... And I would... felt the same. I saw Rosie and felt the same way. Isn't that silly? It's weird. It's, it's so silly. But it's even worse to go over and go, hi, I'm a celebrity, and you might know me. And, uh, <laughs> I know you too. So nice to meet you. We're both uh, famous. <laughs> you feel like a dork to do that, don't you? Yeah, a little. Who did you admire, like, want to be like when you were growing up? Um, I loved, when I was singing, my, my favorite singing stars were Joan Baez and Dionne Warwick. Yeah. And, uh, and I loved Ray Charles and Nina Simone. And that was kind of the, the, the music that I loved when I was a kid. And you got the uh, job of Sandy because you were at a party at Helen Reddy's house? That's right. I was I at... Am Woman, Hear Me Roar? Yeah. <laughs> she was great. She was really wonderful to me. She and her husband at the time, Jeff, were very supportive of me. And they had me over quite often. And this particular night, Alan Carr was there, sitting opposite me. And um, he apparently thought I was right for Sandy, and that's how I got the part. So thank you, Helen. I've always said thank you to her forever since for inviting me for dinner. <laughs> now, she's from where you're from, isn't she? She's from, from Australia. Yeah, she mm -hmm. is. I didn't know that. Yeah, she's a she, Aussie uh, girl. She did my show, and I was like, where is she having this accent from? I thought she was from New York. Yeah, no, she, well, I think she moved here quite young and, and has been here longer, and I just never lost mine. <laughs> oh, it's adorable. I would love to have it. so much better than New York. Oh, I like New York. Oh, no, but it sounds it's so, so charming, Australia. Oh, but I think New York's charming. You See, think New York's charming? Yeah, it's fun. I like the accent. I do, yeah. I think you sound like a thug, you know? Sometimes, like, I'll watch the show. I'll be, like, you know, the day off, and I'll get out of the shower, and it'll be on, and I'm like, who oh, is that, Stallone? And it's me, you know? Like, I don't even think I sound like that. It's scary. Well, you haven't been to Australia and heard the real strong accent then, have you? No. The only thing I know from that is, a dingle's got my baby! You know? That's the only thing I know from that Meryl Streep movie. So how's your daughter? She's wonderful. Is she great? Yeah, she's yeah. 12 and so smart and so funny and great company. Does she um, want to be a performer, too? I think she does. Really? Yeah. She she tells me, you know, and I said, well, you know, what college are, what college are you going to go to, darling? She says, well, I think I want to do what you do. I go, well, that's fine. You know, I, I, I've had a wonderful career. I'll be supportive of her if she wants to do that. Right. Yeah. 
Would you encourage her to go to school first? Though? I'd like her to yeah. do that because I didn't finish. No, I didn't And I would either. like her to finish so she can teach me some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I have regrets about that too. I, I do. I, for years after I left school, I used to have nightmares about going to exams and not knowing what was happening. Did you have that? Yeah, because yeah, that happened for me in real life. I went, <laughs> no, I went to college for one year and while I was there, I would go do stand-up at the nightclubs uh -huh. so I couldn't get up for the classes. And oh. Then I'd take the test because I felt bad that I'd paid the tuition and I'd get in like a D minus. <laughs> you know, it was a bad scene for me. Yeah. Did you want to be a performer? Starting when you were a little kid, I think that I don't. I don't know if it was a conscious thing, but I was always performing and dressing up and doing shows and singing and writing songs and poetry and stuff all the time. But I wanted to be a vet, actually. And, no kidding. And then if um, if I couldn't be a vet, I thought, well, I loved horses so much that maybe I could be a mounted policewoman. Then I could ride horses and get paid for it. So that was my second choice. Singing kind of happened. I, I love to sing, and uh, my my sister was married to a man who had a coffee lounge, and I used to sing in there just sitting there singing next to the guy who was playing on the stage. He invited me up one night and I started singing along with him and it kind of went from there. And you won a big award there in, in Australia? Yeah, I won a singing contest singing uh, Everything's Coming Up Roses. Really? Yeah. I just uh, sang that on my little thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the wrong fun. key, thanks. <laughs> uh, whatever. That you won a contest? Yeah, it was a, a national singing contest. It was a talent contest all around the country. And I was 15 and I went into it and didn't really think I had a chance and before I knew it I was in the final and I won and I got a trip to England out of it and then they invited me to do kind of a permanent job on this TV show. It's not a bad gig, That's huh? how it started. No, yeah. it was wonderful. Well, I am, like everyone else, I'm so happy that you are cancer-free for five years. We're going to take yes. a break, come back and talk all about that and the great stuff you've done through that. We'll be back to talk to Olivia Newton-John right now. Olivia Newton-John is in stores May 12th, and I honestly love you. So happy that you put that on this. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. Enjoy it so very much. much. Now, look in uh, all these magazines, Ford Courage, the profile in Courage. There you are, Olivia Newton-John. And uh, that is exactly what I think of when I think of you. You had uh, breast cancer, what, five years ago? Yeah, six, six in July. Six years ago. And you decided to talk about it and to try to demystify it for yeah. everyone. Well, they were going to print some horrible article in one of the rag trades. And I thought, well, rather than do that, I'm just going to come out and talk about it. It was very hard to talk about. It's such a personal thing and such a personal part of your body. Now it's like, well, hey, we all have them. And we're going to have to deal with this problem. It's an ever-increasing problem, like one in nine women. I'm sure you know all about it. Right. And um, I'm really not that special. There are millions of women dealing with this problem. I'm just able to be vocal about it and draw attention to the problem. And Ford has sponsored these pages in, in all the Condé Nast publications to really educate women to health self-examination and being aware of what you can do. Yeah, and you were involved with uh, health issues for, for children before yes. you were diagnosed with breast cancer through your daughter's friend? Yes, my, my best friend lost her daughter to cancer and she was five. And through that, we founded the Children's Health and Environmental Coalition, which is a wonderful organization. We're trying to improve the standards for children, basically, in the environment, the, level, the levels of toxicity that are considered safe are now measured by a fully grown male, 180 pounds, and kids are like, you know, taking, drinking eight times the amount of juice and eating eight times the amount of fruit and vegetables, and the levels that are considered safe, we need to adjust them for children. If, if it's adjusted for children, we'll all be safe. Right. So we have this organization. We have a wonderful um, bo little booklet called The House Detective where we've put little ideas that you can use in your house to make it safe. And we have a website. Am I allowed to yes, say you that? are. It's a World Wide Web. And the address is right up here. And we're going to uh, put that on again at the end of the program. So grab a pen. Uh, and at the end, you'll be able to find out. And if you go on the web, you'll find information uh, that you can get the booklet and everything, which yeah, is such a, a great thing. Yeah, did you wonderful. did you feel you had um, a choice? You wanted to talk about this? And you did you feel like you had an obligation, sort of, to inspire? I did. Women? You know, when I initially it was kind of very strange feeling. I remember the first time I had to 
to fill in the blank, you know, if you had illnesses, you know, you go to a doctor's office and they, you know, have you had jaundice, have you had nah, hepatitis, nah, oh, right. cancer, oh, i got to tick that thing. And then I realized this is like, now I really need to talk about it and I need to be open about it because it's, I think holding these things in is, is causes illness. I think that, you know, when you hold emotions in and don't talk about them, that's not healthy. So and that was all part of my... Did you find this through a self-exam or through a doctor's visit? Both. Both. Um, I had a lump. I, I, I was tended to be lumpy, and I was always I was always having checkups anyway. And this one felt a little strange, and I didn't feel well. I kind of had a feeling something wasn't quite right, and um, I was supposed to go on the road, and I, and I had this innate feeling I wasn't going to go. I'll do anything to get out of work. On <laughs> so I um, I went and had this checkup, and actually didn't show up in a mammogram, and it didn't show up in a biopsy. And I don't say that to scare anybody, but. You just have to really be in tune with your body, and if you don't feel something is right, even if they're saying you're fine, follow up on it. Right. Which is, thank goodness, my surgeon did, and it was tucked away there. So. Well, I'm glad, so glad that you're healthy, and I'm so Me glad too. that you're speaking out about it. And yes. what women should know is that early detection is the biggest thing that they can uh, do to help themselves. Exactly. Now, care to do a little song that we uh, adapted in yeah. order to get women to uh, check themselves out? Okay. All right, let's try this. You ready? Yeah. Here I'm we ready. go. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> We're talking to women over 35. You're doing self-examination. We got another thing to keep you alive. Give your boobs a squeeze. A manager makes sure that you have healthy breasts. No different than a cold waffle iron. Reminds me of having my blue jeans pressed. So make your move and please get a physical, physical. Call and get a physical. Schedule a physical. Get yourself a mammogram. Your fingers, ma'am. Get yourself a mammogram. Take it, Olivia. You can do it because you're strong. It only hurts for five seconds. Big or long, <laughs> you know what they mean. If you feel a marble, a pea, or a flaw, don't be shy, just get a check. Yeah, be a trendsetter, just whip off your bra. Start a health campaign. Get a physical, physical. It's time for your physical. Don't say you're too physical. I Honestly Love You was released in August 1974 through the EMI label. It was produced by fellow Australian John Farrer, who is the husband of Pat Carroll, a singer Olivia performed alongside in the 60s. I Honestly Love You won the Grammy Award for Record of the Year in 1974. It reached number one in Australia, Canada and Sweden, and it was also number one on both the US Billboard and Cashbox charts. Olivia Newton-John an Australian icon that will never be forgotten. Maybe I hang around here a little more than I should. 
got somewhere else to go. But I got something to tell you that I never thought I would. But I believe you really ought to know. Molly, you've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions, written and produced by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kip. And presented by Josh Ursum. This is Molly Kidd saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, hit it, girl. I've got something to tell you About a place that I've been to And now, now I know The world is so much wider Than I knew And I wanna let you know 
Just stop and-